Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today is part two of our Heaven and Hell series. We interviewed two men who had near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences. One went to heaven and one went to hell. And our second conversation is with Captain Dale Black. Captain Dale is a former airline pilot instructor and commercial pilot who has flown all over the world. And during a training session as a young pilot, Captain Dale was the only survivor of a horrific airplane crash. His plane struck a 75-foot-tall building at 135 miles an hour and just disintegrated. He was the only survivor. Following the crash, he experienced an incredible journey to heaven and back. And as you will hear, Captain Dale still gets very emotional talking about this, especially when he shares the story of meeting Jesus. Just absolute goosebumps, folks. Can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Captain Dale Black. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Steph. I love him already. (laughs) I do. I love him already. This is going to be such a great conversation. I'm super excited. Very honored that we have the opportunity to speak to this next guest. Well, friends, our next guest is a former airline pilot instructor and commercial pilot who has flown all over the world. As a young pilot in training, his plane struck a 75 foot building at 135 miles an hour and disintegrated. He was the only survivor. And his experience after that crashed changed his life. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Captain Dale Black. Ah, Captain! So excited! So first off, thank you for saying yes to us. We greatly appreciate this. This is a big honor for us. Well, it's an honor to be here with you, too, and to share this story that God gave me is my privilege. And I, I was given a second chance to live. Yes. And this happened over 50 years ago. So you were 19 when this experience happened. And even to this day, I'm blown away how it would still be very difficult, very challenging to talk about. And again, we're, we're honored that you would do this because from what I've read, you kept this a secret for almost 40 years. Is that right? That's correct. I told God at the time that if you wanted me to talk about it, I, I will, but I'd rather not. And I, I mentioned to my grandfather, who was a very wise man at the time, and uh, he suggested that you know I keep my story to myself and instead live it. And so I tried to do that. And uh, about 38 years later, my wife, for the last time she'd been pounding on my heart, asking me to tell something that had obviously been a secret. I sh- I, I knew that she knew something and I was never released to tell the story. And one night after 38 years of marriage, finally, I started feeling okay to tell her the story. And I said, I'll tell you more, but only if you make me a deal. And that is, this stays between our children, our grandkids, and it doesn't go elsewhere. And then I told her the whole story. She wrote it down. 
one thing led to another. I got my arms twisted, uh, in a sense. <laughs> and, uh, and so we didn't take royalties of the book. There's been no monetary gain from this story, but many lives have been changed. And I'm glad for that. Uh, you know, we crashed not into just a building, but into the strangest, most ironic building in the country for sure. And it made it the most ironic airplane crash in American history of aviation. And that is we crashed into a cemetery's mausoleum. Uh, it's actually really? tall. <laughs> yeah. And we, we slammed into this building erected in memory of deceased pilots. And, uh, it's called Portal of the Folded Wings okay. in a cemetery. We impacted right five feet from the top of this dome. And uh, inside of that dome is Amelia Earhart, the Wright Brothers mechanic, Billy Mitchell, and many others that aviation people would under understand. But 50 years later, after that crash, they made a big, giant plaque in my honor, with my name and all my background, and they inserted it right above Amelia Earhart. <laughs> really? So, by the way, it was last Monday they installed it. So it's been Aww. a long time. <laughs> That's yeah, incredible. The first people to know about it. I feel honored. See, I didn't know. I didn't know you kept this story from your family as well. I thought you just kept it private. I didn't realize you had kept it a secret from your family. That's that's incredible. So, Captain, can you take us back 40 years ago and what happened on that day that you'll always remember for the rest of your life? It's now 50 years ago. 50 years. Oh, that's yes. right. I'm sorry. Take us back to what happened 50 years ago. Yeah, good math, Kevin. Good job. <laughs> he is a CPA, so that's good. <laughs> oh, no wonder. That all makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a, a good over 50 years ago, and I got to the airport really early. I left my house at 4.30, arrived at the airplane at 5.30 a.m. It was a beautiful day, no clouds, no wind, no weather to speak of. We were flying a semi-new airplane, a Piper Navajo, 10 passengers, uh, 10 seats inside, but the seats had been removed for cargo. We were carrying cargo. I got there, did everything I was supposed to do normally, pre-flighted, loaded the cargo, secured the cargo. Chuck, my flight instructor, my mentor, my friend showed up, asked me if I'd done all that. And I said, yes. Another guy got there named Gene. We shook hands. I'd never known him before. I'd never met him before. Gene sat in the left seat. I sat in the right seat expecting to serve as co-pilot as normal. Chuck, the actual pilot in command, sat in the temporary third seat, which was right in between us. We taxied out. Everything was good. We were just getting ready to take off, and I got tapped on the shoulder, and Chuck went like this. Now, you, the radio people won't be able to see this, but he went like this with his fingers saying, flip seats with me, Dale. He didn't say a word, but he, he did this, moving his fingers. So I got out of the seat. He got in, strapped himself in. We were cleared for takeoff, rolling down the runway. Again, everything is normal as can be wasn't worried about a thing. We accelerated 80 knots, 90 knots, and then we started uh, rotating. In other words, pitching the nose up, but the main gear, the main wheels are still on the runway. And we were then accelerating still. We climbed above the runway, gear coming up, flaps were already up. 
again, everything seemed pretty normal. And then suddenly, boom, something sounded strange. Within two seconds, Chuck is yelling in the cockpit, which is not through the radio, but he's yelling, let's land in that clear area over there. And I sort of leaned up and I saw that uh, in front of us was a large green grassy, what looked like a park, a city park right next to the Hollywood Burbank Airport, where all the movie stars had their yeah. airplanes at the time. And, uh, and then within a matter of about three seconds, I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're going to be in the headlines of tomorrow's newspaper. That's what I thought. And with that thought, I could see Chuck's both hands grab the flight controls, grab them so tight, yank them all the way left, pulling them all the way back into his chest. My eyes went and looked at his hands, which were turning white because he was squeezing so tightly. Well, the next thing I knew... I am looking down at three pilot bodies. I'm hovering above the ground. And I, I, I don't know why I'm seeing this. I'm not sure what in the world. I don't remember a crash. I just know that I'm looking down and I see this pilot and he was completely dead. I don't need to say more than that. And then I looked at another pilot, and that's Chuck. That's my flight instructor. That's my my mentor. And uh, he looked dead. And then the third body, I looked down, and that's me. Mm. That's me. How, how could that be? Now, wait a minute. I'm up here, and that's me down there. Suddenly, instantly, at the lightning speed, I realized suddenly that I am a spirit. Mm. That's why I can see down there. I'm alive. I'm a spirit being made in God's image, and I have a soul, a mind, a will, an emotion. Okay, those are the things that are eternal. How did I never learned this, but I knew it at that moment. And then I looked down and I see the body and I thought, oh, that poor young man. Well, well, it was me. Okay, that poor young me. But I was just barely worried that I had died so young. I was feeling no pain. I wasn't feeling a really a lot of bad things. I was just thinking, darn, I died so young, but I am completely alive and well. But, I mean, my <laughs> I thought I was, but my right. body was clearly dead. By the way, may I say something? We were an aircraft full of fuel. And, you know, I spent my entire career later studying airplane crashes. I went to every airplane crash almost that occurred in California, anywhere in California, Arizona, New Mexico. I went to the major ones all across the country. I studied... Uh, airplane crashes, brought the returns, the information back, and used that information to help train pilots to not allow that to ever happen again. Now, that took sometimes two years to finish compiling the data for what caused an actual aircraft accident. But anyway, with all of that information, 
it's kind of funny and strange that our aircraft and our area was completely drenched in fuel. We did not have an engine failure. We had nothing mechanically wrong. Two very hot engines at full RPM drenched in fuel, uh, and there was no fire. And that's just a little bit of a miracle, I might add. No fire. What? So when the paramedics and everyone come, you're still kind of out of body, you're a spirit, you're seeing all this, you're watching all this happen, right? Yeah, I'm watching it happen. There was a paramedic, he came to me, and I watched him work on me, and of course I was clearly dead. I'd been uh, pressed up against the instrument panel, and all three of the pilots, all three of us were sitting very close to each other, and we slammed into this solid concrete and marble dome, which didn't give way. Our impact speed was like two cars on a freeway hitting head on. That was the speed of our impact. And so we slammed into this and that actually killed all three of us. The impact between the monument and our brains, that blunt trauma is the cause of death. And then if that didn't kill us, <laughs> there was a 70-foot fall directly to the ground, and there was no airplane to be in anymore. Oh. So we hit the ground. So just bam, bam, bam. We all landed in the same place. We all hit the monument in the same place. God spared my life. I know it. And yet there I was with a paramedic working on me, giving me a mouth-to-mouth and giving me chest pressure. And by golly, uh, I went right back into my body. You did. I did. I, I went back into my body, and then I, I felt the pain. And uh, now I'm not looking down. I'm looking up. And uh, I wish I could thank this paramedic. I've never been able to find him. <laughs> well, probably find him in heaven someday. But uh, while my body was put in an ambulance, then I separated again. And strangely, I know this sounds totally wild and crazy, but you're used to all these stories now, but I separated from my body and I chased the ambulance and my body. I don't know why. And uh, I was outside following the ambulance, nobody knowing this, following the ambulance through the streets of the Hollywood Burbank area to get to the St. Joseph's Hospital. I followed the gurney when they put me in the, and then I stayed out of my body all the way into the emergency room, and then I'm back in, then I'm back out. And really? it was a strange uh, encounter, I'll say. Like, were you going in your body because they, like, got your heart back working, and then you, like, flatlined again, so then you came out of your body? Is that what was happening? It appears to be that that's what was happening. I got to know my doctor really, really well. We spent the rest of his life as close friends. Wonderful man, Dr. Homer Graham. But uh, yeah, I was apparently clinically dead. And you know, clinically dead is three things, right? There, there's no brain waves. There's no heart. You know, so there's no, there's no blood pumping and there's no respiratory. There's no breathing. When you have all three of those then you're clinically dead. And many people will say, if you're clinically dead, all three of those, then nobody recovers from that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to most likely give those who are love the split hairs and like every detail, I'm going to say that I'll bet you that not all three were present. Maybe the heart had stopped 
but the brain waves were still going. Whatever. Mm -hmm. All I know is I, I went in and out of my body a couple of times. And when I was in the body, I could feel the pain and it was, I would almost want to die. And when I was out of the body, it was peace and joy. But what's happening? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you can tell, but Steph and I are on the edge of our seats over here, <laughs> Captain Dale. And you could tell, I mean, both of us are like raising our hands, like, I, I got to ask you a follow up question here. So you have our attention. So when you're following yourself, Right, So they're wheeling you on the gurney into the hospital. You're out of your body. You're literally just kind of floating, I guess, along. Are you going through doors? Are you going through walls to follow you into the hospital? I didn't notice where I was going, the surroundings. I didn't notice. I, I, my focus was on my body. Mm. Okay. When I was in the emergency room, I did know then that I could see the instruments around, the medical instruments. So when I was in the hospital and I was stationary, for the first time, I was able to stop and think about where I was. And it was clear I was in the hospital. It was clear this was the doctor. And boy, is that guy, the doctor, man, he's in charge. He's not just a regular doctor. He's like a general of an army. <laughs> oh. and, and when when you get to know the doctor that I'm talking about, Homer Graham, you realize, wow, yeah, he was a, well, he was Evil Knievel's doctor, if you ever heard of him. Yes, that's yes. what I was going to ask you. I, I was curious if that was true. That would be a good surgeon to have, right? <laughs> like, that, guy's, <laughs> that guy's had a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Peggy Fleming and so many of the Hollywood, because it was right there in Hollywood. And so he was the orthopedic surgeon for the stars. And he had his office lined with uh, movie stars and everybody that he had worked on at one time or the other. And uh, he made a picture of me. Oh, it put on his wall. Yeah, and uh, Evil Knievel was the number one star, and he put me ahead of Evil. <laughs> oh, wow. so, um, that's awesome. Evil wow. and I, we had lots of words about that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you know Evil Knievel? Only through the doctor. Yeah. The doctor would say, Evil said, and I would say, well, tell him. <laughs> 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 All right, Steph, I'm going to test you again here. What is your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, it's the Bible, Kevin. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Very good. This time, you didn't say the book we wrote called You Met Her Where. But it's still a really good book. That is true. And it would make a great gift for friends or relatives on their birthday or for Christmas. Friends, you can order your copy of our book titled You Met Her Where at KevinAndSteph.com. And we will make sure to personally sign a copy for you or whoever you want. And as always, thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. So when you're out of your body, can you hear what everybody's saying? And, it, and you can recall the conversations they're having. Yeah, I can't explain the whys, but I can tell you the answer. I felt like my ears were muffled. I felt like my eyes could were, were enhanced. Okay. And I felt like my heart is how I functioned. The discernment of the spiritual realm, that's what was driving everything. See, I was out of my body. I was in the spirit realm with a soul, and I knew this was how we were made to function. You are, I am, every human being under made by God's image. We are a spirit, and we have a soul. We live in a body. I was disconnected from that body. But my ears, my physical ears, 
technically, they were down there in that body, and I'm up here. But I was not enhanced with my ears until after I returned from heaven. Everything changed. Mm. My ears were not enhanced, but my eyes were, and my spirit was incredibly uh, dominant. So when you were in the operating room, when did you start going up to heaven? I started moving out of the hospital room, the emergency room. I started moving backwards. I was looking forward, moving backwards, and I didn't understand, again, what was happening. I started uh, moving backwards, and I couldn't steer it. I couldn't control it. I got into the hallway, and I, you know, my experience was now I started going forward, and within just a couple of seconds, I'm away from the hospital building. I'm, you know, I'm a pilot, so I know what it's like to fly at night and daytime, and and I was traveling at just breakneck speed. I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea why. I, I And at this point, I'm no longer thinking backwards. I'm not thinking about me, who I was, what happened, my parents, my career. All that's not even in my mind. I'm only thinking about what's up ahead, what's going to happen next. And what I was seeing was, uh, I hadn't seen this at that point, but you guys have seen it in movies. You know, when you watch uh, Star Trek or, or, you know, Star Wars or whatever, you can see the planets, you know, moving fast when you go to warp speed. I had not seen that before. And I felt like I was moving through outer space at just incredible speed. And these bright lights were going left and right. And people have said since I've come back, they said, oh, well, those were the planets you were moving through space. And I didn't really want to correct anybody. I don't want to debate anybody. But I believe that what those lights were, were angels coming from heaven to earth. And I was going toward heaven, and they were coming toward earth. And they were lighted, and they were just millions of them. Wow. I hope you're right. I want you to be right. I like angels coming to the earth to help us. I like your reasoning a lot better. So when you reach heaven, what happens? Well, the first thing was I watched this glow of gold light from a distance. It was it was gold at first, but the closer you get to it, the gold goes to the edge and the center is white. It's not just white like like we have on it's pure thick white at the center. Of course I'm realizing as I'm getting closer that I'm moving to heaven. Why am I going to heaven? I didn't know. I didn't think about that. But uh, I'm re recognizing, and everybody recognizes that the white is God himself. That's God. That's the throne. And the closer I got, is this all happened within a matter of uh, 30 seconds to a minute. I would try to describe. There was no uh, sensation of time. But I feel like I was coming into land into a large metropolitan city, but there was no airport. <laughs> this was the most beautiful city, but to me, it was a gigantic golden city. I call it the city of gold with a brilliant bright light in the center that had to be God. And as the light moved from the center, 
there was three things that were completely apparent. And yet, I think I learned this from my spirit. Inside the light was love. Mm. Inside that light was life. And inside the light was God. You know, we see in the Bible, I found this out later, but that God is love. Mm -hmm. And we also read that anything to do with God, there's life in it. There's no death with God. There's only life. There's eternal life, by the way. And everything in heaven, I began to realize, everything lives forever. There, there's no dead plants. There's no dead leaves. And uh, lush green uh, plants and grass, uh, just unbelievable colors. But this white light goes through the grass, through the plants, and through every uh, being, including me. And when the light hit me, how do I explain this? The light was God, and I knew it, but no one told me. Mm. But I knew the light was God because it was not like any light I've ever seen. It was hotter than the sun, brighter than the sun, but it didn't hurt. It didn't burn. It didn't make you even shield your – it was wonderful, beautiful, and soothing, and it made you want to get more of it. And inside that was life. I mean <laughs> – I felt like I could climb Mount Everest uh, blindfolded without uh, oxygen. For example, I'm just trying to right. think. Energized. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, energized. Yeah, thank you. And then there's the love, the love of God. It is like nothing that I've ever seen or experienced. I've gotten a taste of it maybe two or three or four times on the earth since. It's rare, but... It is possible, it is possible that we can have that kind of love right here on the earth. When you're in heaven, Captain Dale, did you see Jesus? I did. I, I've kept that quite private. People want to know how, how he looked, how tall was he, what color hair, what kind of eyes. And there, there's just nothing I could say that would keep it as sacred as it needs to be, it changed my life. Experience with him changed my life. Um, I didn't expect to see Jesus. And we have two books out. One is called uh, Flight to Heaven. And I made sure that I did not explain that. And the other book is called Visiting Heaven. And I explained the encounter with Jesus in the, in the books Visiting Heaven and to answer your question, Kevin, please allow me my way of answering this sacred moment. What he looked like is not so important as the fact that when I looked at his eyes, I will never be the same. How could anybody be the same? Because in the eyes was pure, sinless love, strength, confidence, authority, gentleness. I mean, just try to put that together with somebody you've met, somebody you've known about, somebody you've read about, only the Son of God, only God himself through Jesus. All of that in the eyes. And when I saw his eyes, I, I buckled, I, I, I melted, I, I just fell down at his feet. Mm. And, and I didn't 
I didn't feel worthy to stand. And the fact is, I wasn't worthy. I, I had done nothing. Uh, I wasn't a bad guy, but boy, did I want to have fun. And I had I had sinned a lot, you know, but here I was in heaven. And how, how did that happen? I was a mess. If if someone said, "Well, you you you're such a good Christian," are you kidding? <laughs> I barely made it. <laughs> if, if there was a reason I got to heaven, it was only because when I was when I was in the emergency room. Remember, we were talking about that yes. a little bit. There's one thing that happened in that emergency room. I had a flashback of when I was 11 and 12 years old, and that flashback was. Here's this little boy, 11, 12, down at an altar, praying with this man, don't even know his name, and I gave my heart and my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and through him, because of his blood, who paid the sacrifice for me, I had a relationship with God. Now, I was no longer that young, moldable, teachable young man like I was when I was 11 or 12, but I had never said, God, get out of my life. I'd never told him. Just I just kept rebelling toward authority, having a lot of fun, and I I, mm. I went overtime. Got kicked out of college, by the way. I, I, I was ejected out really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I was kicked out actually more than once but <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, we don't have to go there you have to make that public <laughs> you can keep that one yeah. private captain dale <laughs> it's a lot of fun though if you like what you hear please tell someone about us as soon as this episode is over go tell your spouse your closest friend a parent a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media however if you don't like what you're hearing please do not don't tell anyone don't tell anyone don't tell anybody just disregard this message don't worry about forget it forget about us yep go on with your merry day and to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com thank you for listening to tell us a good story so when you're you're talking to Jesus and God, obviously that is a very personal time for you. But are they then telling you like this is not your time? When I was uh, on the stairway, uh, I was expecting to go up the stairway, and in front of me came an angel before I met Jesus, and he spoke to me heart to heart. The communication is was heart to heart, and he's spoke to me and said, well, you can't go up here. He said, yeah, if, if you go up here, then you can't go back. And I said, in my mind, go back? Go back? What do you mean? Go back where? And then I see Jesus. I kneel at his feet. He leans down and whispers in my ear and says some things very short, just a few words. I've never revealed those words. They're not in the book. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm waking up on earth. And when my eyes opened, I felt like somebody had put two brand new eyes in my sockets. And so I'm reported as saying, what happened to my eyes? What happened to my eyes? Those are the first words that the nurse had said I said. And the doctor was summoned. Dr. Homer Graham happened to be there when that happened. 
He's not on duty 24 hours, but he was there when that happened and he came forward. He told me that these are the words I said. And I tried to tell them, do you know Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is? I think they thought I was a little bit crazy, but I had just seen Jesus. And the next thing I'm on the earth. Oh. And I, I had a love for the doctor, a love for the nurse. Uh, I only had one eye working. Uh, you guys, how do I explain this? My right eye was injured so badly that they were actually going to take it out and put glass in there. And my wow. dad and my grandfather said, no, 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 put it back in, put it back in. We believe in God. We, we're going to pray. So they put my eye back in. But but my right eye is stitched, bandaged, my whole, you know, I have uh gauze all over my head so i can't see out of my right eye but when i opened my left eye i thought i was seeing out of two unbelievably enhanced eyes like if you go into a movie and it's a 3d movie and, and you put on those glasses and then you realize whoa okay wow i was seeing out of one eye and I realized, in a sense, I used to live with one eye living in black and white. And now, all of a sudden, I was living with two eyes in color and in 3D. And that's the experience. It's a, a lousy way, maybe, to explain it. But when I woke up from the hospital, nothing has ever been the same. So when you came back into your body, Captain Dale... Do you immediately feel the pain, right, from broken bones or the accident that you had? Yeah, as soon as I'm back in, of course, uh, the doctor was giving me pain uh, medications. But, but uh, yeah, the, I was as normal as you would be. I, I, the pain was there. And it was, you know, it was a challenge to mitigate that pain and keep it uh, under control. But uh what is funny is that with all of that pain, I was so happy. I was so joyous. There was just not a moment where I wasn't just, uh, I was happy about everything. I I mean, I had broken both legs, both ankles, both knees, my back in multiple places. My left shoulder was completely destroyed. I had cuts all over my face. My, oh, my gosh, I had cuts in my head, and my right arm was broken as well. I was burned from head to toe with fuel burns, but not fire burns, fuel wow. burns. Wow. <laughs> the fuel had, had soaked into my body. And over the next year, every thick layer of skin would come off between everything, all my hands. It's a long story, but I was chemically burned with the fuel. And then the biggest challenge, of course, the eye, my nose, I've had it redone, my teeth, I've had redone. My plastic surgeon, he ought to get a little, uh, you know, commercial here because he did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> He sure did. <laughs> yes, he did. He sure did. Anyway, yeah, they they rebuilt a, a lot of a lot of me and I'm grateful to God for what he has done. But yeah, I still um I have to work my body. Every injury that I had uh, has to be, you know, worked at. It's not just healed and it's over. It's constant and, process. And, yeah. I'm glad to do it. But the point is I was as happy as any person that's ever lived on the earth. <laughs> mm, that's I bet. awesome. Well, I, have, I have one question. Okay, good. 
Were you ever sad that God allowed you to come back to earth because you missed heaven so much? A good question. I love that question because a lot of people would think that I should be sad. Our body is here on the earth, and I've come back. It's not my will that I'm trying to do here. It's the Lord's will. But uh, what can I do to help God's kingdom? Well, I'll tell you what I can do. I can tell other people that, that God is real, that heaven's real. Jesus is his son, and you'll want to get to know him. Get a Bible out. Read everything that's in red letters and find out what Jesus really said and learn about who this Jesus really is. And so I'm not sad. I I know that my day will be over someday. But to answer your question, Steph, I'm very excited about living and about sharing uh, what God is doing And he's doing some wonderful things. Well, listeners, for more information about Captain Dale Black, you can go to daleblack.org. I would also highly recommend that you check out his two books that we have here, Flight to Heaven, and then his most recent book that is titled Visiting Heaven, Heavenly Keys to Living a Life Without Limitations. And you can get that on his website. You can go to amazon.com as well. But those two resources are fantastic. Well, Captain Deal Black, thank you so much for saying yes to us. It was a shot in the dark for us that we would be able to get a hold of you. <laughs> and I believe it was your, your wife, Paula, had reached back out and said, yes, we would absolutely love to be on Tell Us a Good Story. So thank you so very much. Sir. Thanks, Captain. Gosh, the honor's mine, really. You guys are precious. You're wonderful. And you're doing really, really good work. And I salute you. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.